this is Chad Seabright with Lebanon House of Prayer in Tennessee. We host a special conference in the summer for pastors, ministry leaders, and anyone hungry for more of God's presence. If you want to get updates about our next Behold Conference and how you can join us, go to thebeholdconference.com and click on the button that says Get Notified. Here's a special message from the Behold Conference 2023. I pray this message will bless you richly. This is the strongest call I can give for being a city taker. It's the strongest call. And I honestly, last night, I went to bed at one, trying to think, oh, there's something else. Let me talk on the prophetic. I sat here this morning and thinking, oh, let me talk about the prophetic. And he says, if you believe the prophetic, you believe I speak to you, right? Yes, I'm speaking to you. You're not preaching on the prophetic. Because I want to speak, I want to continue on the prophetic. But I can't. And I, and I, here's, here's the caveat. Here's the disclaimer. There's no condemnation in what I'm going to share. But what I'm going to share is, would be the consequences if we don't leave here with the mandate to go home and be city transformers. This is going to be the consequences. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I, so it, it, it could be heavy, but I'm, I'm declaring it won't be because I'm declaring we're, we're going to leave here on assignment. Every pastor here, every leader of parachurch organizations, we're going to commission you if, you want, if you're in. And then, well, let me preach first. And because and, and, it's, I know you are, but you got to see, you got to see, listen, you got to see the consequences of why this is so serious. This is a study I did, I think, over Christmas break or so, and, and, and I sat in my office, and I was like, oh my gosh. So um, let me show you real quick uh, a slide that, that doesn't have a lot to do with that per se, but there are four paradigms that I want you to take home, and I want you to really think about these. These are all rooted in scriptures, okay? So here, here's the four paradigms. The Great Commission is about discipling nations, not just people. It's not just one-on-one. -on -one. When Jesus had transformation in mind when he said this, disciple what? Nations. He, Jesus saw when he was commissioning his disciples, he saw that disciples would have a global effect. Did you guys understand that? Okay, number two. The, look at this. The marketplace has already been redeemed by Jesus and now needs to be reclaimed by his followers. Jesus doesn't need to do anything else. Do you understand everyone is provisionally saved? That's right. I, I, I said this to Jeremiah. You don't even need to ask for forgiveness. Oh, God, forgive me, forgive me. He already has. Stop that. You don't need to ask what's already been given. You receive yes. what he has already offered. Right. Do you see that? And every person in your community... They're lost and they're heathens and they're doing this and doing that. Listen, they're already reclaimed. They just need to know their identity. Yes. He's the propitiation for the whole world. They're so beautiful. And, and, and so, look, uh, this, this helps you understand, I think it's 2 Corinthians 5, um, I want to say 18, that says, uh, oh, it's in 2 Corinthians 5. I can't, can't think of the verse. But it says, from now on, we view no one according to the flesh. 
So we don't, we don't evaluate people based on the flesh. We evaluate people based on their, who they are in his eyes. We see them through the lens of grace. See, we're their sinners. Yes, but they're lost sons and daughters. See the difference? Okay, it's, it's perspective. I heard him praying that this morning. Um, and every believer, look at this. Guys, look, every believer is a marketplace minister. You guys, you have, to, you, have to, you have to get out of that idea that they just come to hear. They come to be equipped so they can be deployed. And you gotta begin to teach that every person is a minister. It's very, it's just straight up in scripture. Look, our primary call is not to build the church. Didn't Jesus make that straight? It's not to build the church, but to take the kingdom of God where darkness is still entrenched so Jesus can build his church. Four paradigms that, that have to be shifted so that we can have sustainable, sustainable um, transformation. All right, I'm gonna breeze through this real quick. This is the setup. Um, what I believe one of the most Relevant prophecies is when Hananiah said in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Do you see that? I'm gonna give you the second part of that, but, but real quick, this is a phenomenal story of King Asa, uh, king of, of, of Judah's southern tribe in the line of David, Phenomenal. Like, like when he became king, he reigned for about 41 years. Listen, when he became king, the first thing he did is he said, Judah, we're going to seek after the Lord. And God blessed him. They're, they're, like there was a period of absolutely no wars. And it was just phenomenal. And he, he fortified the cities. He removed all the high places. He, he got rid of all of the demonic junk, cleaned the cities of all of that garbage. Um, built the army up to, to almost, a, well, a little over actually, uh, half a million. It was phenomenal. Then Ethiopia came up from the south and, and had a, an army of a million. So, so twice as much as what he had had and, and, and 300 chariots. And they were, a, they were going to attack. Listen, they were going to attack Asa and, 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 and Judah. Judah takes the nation, begins to pray, and he says, we're weak, they're strong, but you're stronger. And we're going to trust in you. And I mean, listen, God empowered them and they chased them south into Geir. They not only devastated them, they took care of the Philistine cities. They came back with plunder. And, and, and it was phenomenal when they came back as they are, came in the spirit and prophesied to them and said, you, you guys, if you link up and stay linked up to God, nothing's going to be impossible for you. It was just phenomenal. And so he, re and it got, listen, it got Asa so fired up, he began to actually go to the outer regions and remove everything that was demonic. He, he built altars. Look, he actually removed, some scholars say it wasn't his grandmother, his actual mother as the queen mother from, from the temple. Because she, she kept bringing in these like, like goddesses. Asherah goddesses and stuff. It's like, mommy, you can't have that art in here. You're, you're out. <laughs> How many know you got to be sourced by God to say to your mom, you're out. <laughs> you're not bringing that stuff into the temple. You're out. So it was just incredible. Now watch this. 
the northern kingdom came against them, was going to battle against them. What's Asa going to do? Now, this is after 36 years of reign. Asa, ready? Don't miss this. Doesn't go to God. But he makes a treaty with the king of Aram. He makes a treaty with the king of Aram. He takes all of the, the resources of the temple and makes a treaty. It was just, it's just like, and then, and then watch, Hananiah then comes and prophesies this right here. And the strongly support is a Hebrew word that doesn't just mean to strengthen and prevail and to move upon. It comes from a root word that means God is going to bind himself to mankind so that mankind may be able to prevail over anything that comes against them. That's the Hebrew word. But now watch this. God will bind himself to us, but we need to relinquish and, relinquish and remain in a bonded relationship with him. You can remove yourself. Why would you do that? Especially in the new covenant. But he, he literally comes out of this agreement with God and he binds himself to flesh. And Hananiah says, for the eyes of the Lord, this is the prophecy, moves to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart are completely is. Now look at this. Here's the rest of the prophecy. You, Asa, have acted foolishly in this. Now watch this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. Did you see the consequences of that? Oh, and I gotta be, uh. But his, watch, his inability to remain faithful to the Lord opened the door to the enemy. Consequently, Asa and the kingdom of Judah experienced unnecessary conflict. Now listen, there's going to be conflict in your life. But hear what I'm saying. <laughs> if you don't remain in covenant or sourced with him, you're going to invite things into your life that God never intended for you to battle with. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's going to be an invitation because he wants to bind with you. He'll bring things to you when you're bound with him so you can defeat them. It's almost as if God will bring the enemy to you when you're bound with God so you can destroy the enemy and then he plays the videotape in hell so everyone has to watch it. Not that the enemy's in hell, but you see what I'm saying? It's, it's like, he, like he announces, my church did that. Right. It's in Ephesians, isn't it? It's like he shows off to all of the principalities and the powers with what? The church. And he says, this is my church. It's like he taunts the enemy. This is my church. But what happens when the church does not remain source and comes out of this agreement with him? Then we are now inviting tragedy that God never warranted for us to have. Does it make sense? Yes, yes. Now watch. And it also allows for the territory we're in to experience conflict that should have never been there. I'll never forget Rhonda Huey wrote the book Desperate First Presence, now Matheson, because she's married. But, but I was listening to, to a teaching that she did, 
she made this statement. I actually pulled the car over when we were pastoring. And, and I was like, whoa. She, she made the statement. She says, the, the, the conflict like in your community, the, the immorality, the bigotry, the crime, the, 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 the sexual molestations, so forth and so on, all of that. She says, could that possibly be the fruit of a passive church? Now, see, I know, I'm not, right, right, see, right. see what I mean? Don't, don't take it that way. It's not, <laughs> he wants to partner with us. He wants to source us to bring about transformation. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So, so don't take it negatively. Don't like, ah, uh, no, like, yes, he really wants to use me to enact change. He does. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is, this is, this is huge. Okay. So here's the study. Are you ready? This is historical. So if you look in basically scripture, uh, like, like uh, 4,000 years of history, you have six major empires. Because most of you guys know this, right? So it started off with the Egyptian empire. And, and, and each one was more insidious than the next one. In fact, a lot of scholars believe the reason why they went out of it, you know, like, because the other ones came in and conquered them. And so you got the Egyptian empire. And I'm not going into the history of all of them, the dates and all that stuff. You guys can look that stuff up. Then you have the Assyrian empire. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I read about the Assyrians. Gosh. Well, then the, the Babylonian empire. You talk about a spiritual culture. Oh. My goodness. Babylon was spiritual then you have the Persian culture, which was very sexual, that kind of thing. Then you had the Greek culture that put everything together into one. I mean, it's just massive. And then you finally come into the Roman. As you can see, you have the Roman Empire, which was probably one of the longest lasting, but, but most devastating, because Rome's idea was, we're, we're just going to conquer the world. Because so you have these six leading major empires. Now, Here's what I found in history. As I looked at these, God was looking for a reformer and he found one. He found a, he found a Joseph. Now watch this. Joseph was the link of the prophetic and the government. I saw this last night when he was talking. I was like, oh, that's it. Gave me language for that because, because Joseph was very prophetic. Right hearing and interpreting dreams. We didn't just do that. Right. It was just, that was, that was even in the old covenant was still ordered by God. And he was able to say, I know what's going on. That's what's happening. And the king heard about it. So listen, his prophetic anointing gave him a position of influence of the influencer. And if you will stay linked with God, the prophetic ability that God will give you will allow God to position you with influencers so you can influence the influencer with prophetic decrees out of heaven. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. But you gotta stay linked. Because yes. the language of new covenant, sourced. And then, and then uh, here's, here's the next one, the Assyrians. God, God's raised up a Jonah. And I've heard people teach Jonah when he was so scared. He wasn't scared. Do you know what the thing with Jonah was? He knew the heart of God. He knew, and he was going to go to the capital city of Assyria, Nineveh, right? 
Listen, they were so wicked. They would, they would cut the heads off of their enemies and drip their blood on the streets and put them on stakes. They would skin people alive. It was just, they would torture their enemies. And, and Jonah's like, let the suckers burn. You know why he didn't want to go to Nineveh? Because he knew the heart of compassion God had. It's like the moment they repent, God, and they will, you're, you'll forgive them. So he, he was actually reluctant, but he, he still got there. And he walked the streets. I, suckers, I know it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen. And shit, they did. He was the reformer. It was just phenomenal. Okay? Then, then you got Daniel actually taken cap, in, in the captivity. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't offended. Right? I mean, it says like in Daniel 1, like, like Nebuchadnezzar, it says it besieged Israel. I actually looked up the word besieged. It's, it's not happy. Anyway, but Daniel, remember Daniel's resolve in, in, in 1 verse 8? He made a resolution not to defile himself with the king's meat and, and wine. It's like, I'm not, watch. He did not become adulterated with the culture. He remained intact with the kingdom. Oh, guys, gals, listen to me. Don't adulterate yourself with the culture. Come on, don't prostitute yourself. Second Corinthians, what is it, 11.3, he's looking for chaste virgins who don't sleep with the world but remain in, uh, come on. Okay, now watch. Daniel, he also was prophetic. Do you know who Daniel was put in, in charge of? He was put in charge, basically, of the diviners. It, listen, in Babylon, you, you understand, these guys were still moving in witchcraft, and Nebuchadnezzar was so blown away by the wisdom, by the insight of this reformer, that he says, hey, why don't you lead my people who are involved in the witchcraft class? Be the leader of them. Are you, yes, read it. It's phenomenal. Look at this guy. Because he, he could hear, he could release, because he, he was... Isn't that phenomenal? Yes. Oh, I love this one. My wife can preach this. Look at this. Remember Esther? Oh, remember this? If I die, I die. I mean, right? She, she couldn't just go barging into the king's presence. Are you serious? What do you, push the doors open, I'm here. Come on, are you serious? Oh my gosh. Do you ever see a knight with a king? Oh, read the book. I mean, she gets prettied up. I mean, it's just, oh, she goes in and the king extends the scepter. She was a reformer. She was a reformer. She put her life on the line. She's just, she was made beautiful. You are made beautiful to bring transformation. Oh, I gotta go. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Right around 260, some say 300 years, but, but roughly, just it's safe to say 275 years. It's, it's quiet. 
Now, and I found this very interesting. And, and, I, and I thought, well, that's called the 400 years of silence. You mean to tell me oh, this is so good. that God, through each of these empires, would just be looking for a reformer, just speak, and there's gotta be someone to come to the forefront who will not compromise with culture, but step forward to address the issues of the culture of the hour. Someone who will step forward and say, not on my watch. Someone who will say, I'm here on assignment. I'm not here to eat Twinkies and watch television. I'm here to make a difference for the cause and the sake of the kingdom of God. I'm here to bring the kingdom of God to the kingdoms of this earth and that's why I breathe and that's why I exist. And every major empire, someone stepped to the forefront and listen, men and women. Right, right. And you mean to tell me, just as I don't think I'm going to say anything. She's going to let things run amok. So, so my statement is this. I don't think it was an era of silence. It was an era of negligence. You can't tell me. You can't tell me that God wouldn't just. It's against his nature. He's looking for someone. And then, and then all of a sudden, what happens? We know the story. Then we have the reformer <laughs> who comes into the most militant empire that is the, really the summary of the first five. And watch, he has said it so beautifully. Jesus is the prototype of what every reformer should look like. Every reformer should replicate the style and the nature of Jesus, who I might add was motivated by love and sourced by the Spirit. For three and a half years, people were touched, healed, and delivered, just phenomenal. And, and he brought reformation that has lasted for over 2,000 years. And then what did he do? He gave his ministry to his disciples. You know, in reality, you don't have a ministry. This is my ministry. This is mine. This is my ministry. I have this ministry. You don't have a ministry. You have his. He gave you his ministry of what? Transformation of living your life being motivated by love and sourced by the Spirit so that wherever you go, you can bring transformation just like Jesus Christ. He quoted it, John 14, 12. And I have done the research on it. I have parsed it out. I've read it. I've turned it upside down. I've looked at every, I, it says what it means. In fact, you know how it begins? Amen, amen. Like truly, truly. You know what that means? It's like Jesus grabbing you by the shirt collar and say, listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just, we can replicate him. So now watch this. This, oh man. Edmund Burke, I don't know. Some say he didn't say this. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I believe because no one stepped to the forefront 
that there were some major consequences that 2,000 years later in this very hour, the things we're fighting is because of the negligence of a reformer during the Greek era. Now, now I have studied this. I've read this. I've researched this. I've studied. And it doesn't make me an expert. But you have to understand, I put a lot of time into this because it has just so moved my heart. So now watch this. Look at this. All four of these deadly doctrines. Listen, you trace it. David Hume, stop. All of that stuff goes right back to the Greek culture. All of that goes back to a culture where there wasn't a reformer speaking and philosophy was pale male, ran amok because there was no divine prophetic word and the words of flesh got twisted in the minds of men and we have all of these doctrines that we're still fighting with today because there wasn't a reformer to say no, thus saith the word of God. Gnosticism. Listen, the spirit is good. They thought that all through the New Testament. Gnosticism says the spirit is good, the flesh is evil and unredeemable. Look, so we're always going to contend with sin. Do you know what came out of that? Worm theology. That you're nothing but a worm and your body, you're, you're just you're this, this sinful thing that God's got to tolerate until he comes and redeems you out of it. And people have bought into that stuff. That's why they sit there and look at him with their eyes wide open and he talks about, you're astonishing. And you guys are going... How can I be astonishing? I'm nothing but a worm. I'm a wretched sinner. I'm this. You know where that comes out of? Smack dab out of the Greek culture because there wasn't a reformer to stand in the way of that nonsense and say, absolutely not. Does it make sense? Rationalism? Come on. All of that came out of the Greek culture. Human reasoning. The, the, The mind rules Come on, go to the average church and start start giving truth. And they're not going to go for divine revelation. They're going to say, well, now, the way I, uh, now, uh," and people actually brag about being analytical. Don't brag about that. That's not of God. He did not give you the ability to talk yourself out of an encounter with him. He gave you a mind, yes, and, he, and, and intelligence, high IQ, I'm all for that. But you know where rationalism came out? It just, it, it came out of this mindset of, when. now wait a minute. Now I've got to, and, and see the way I'm trying to understand, and people are still eating from the tree of knowledge. And, and I'm, 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 I'm careful when I say this, but the average Bible school and college and seminary is teaching from the tree yes. of knowledge and not the tree of life, which should be revelatory in nature. Where'd that come from? Polytheism. Many gods. Cosmopolitanism, which is this idea that we all coexist. I don't know if you can see the bottom of it, but it's this here. It's, it's, we all coexist. We have bumper stickers like that. We all coexist. This, 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 this. Watch, there's no one truth. Like Alexander the Great was so sold on this idea, he made everyone speak Greek. That, that's where, I mean, he was like adamant about it. Yeah, Hellenism. 
And it was just, and so this idea of we all exist, there's no one soul truth. Where'd that come from? Came out of the Greek culture. Why did it come out of the Greek culture? It could have been because there wasn't someone who stepped to the forefront and said, not on my watch. They, they, they could have, could have they stopped it completely? I don't know. Maybe they could have impeded it. Maybe they could have uprooted it. I, you don't know. We'll never know the things we don't battle because of pioneers before us who forged the way. We're walking on territory now of the prayers, the labors, the, 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 the fasting, those who, who gave their lives so that you and I could be here today. The fruit of what we're doing here has to, we have to honor those who have gone before us. Even Pastor Ron Frizzell has sowed into this front row in such a way that we're reaping the fruit of what he gave us for over two decades. But I will equally say we're fighting things now that ought not be, and we can't say, well, the world's getting bad, brother. Stop that. There's things we're fighting because people have not stepped to the forefront of their generation and said, not on my watch. So I went a little bit further on this. What else came out of the Greek culture? You ready for this? Check this out. You know this. Pharisees, Sadducees, and Herodians. Now, to be fair, the Pharisees actually started out very well. They really did. Not sure about the Sadducees. They wanted it, but hey, and certainly not the Herodians. The way I would summarize it is those three, watch, was they were a religious attempt to correct what was amiss, but they were not reformers. Right. And even though the Pharisees started out well, you, like, like, like their whole thing was to protect the law. Like, so this is the law. It's, it's kind of funny. This is the law. And so they were so concerned. Now listen, they wanted to preserve the law. They loved it. They loved it. They loved the text, the, the, the law. So they built a fence so you wouldn't break the law. The fence was called a seog. So a seog was a fence. Because we can't break the law, so let's build a fence so you don't break the law. But man, if you get that close, we, we need a fence to keep you from breaking the fence so you don't break the law. But if you get that close, we really need a fence to keep you from breaking the fence to keep you from breaking the fence so you don't break the law. But if you get that close, we need a fence to keep you from breaking the fence. We need a fence to the fence. You see where this is gone? And through oral traditions, by the time Jesus walked on planet Earth, they had come up with 650 different sayogs that had absolutely nothing to do with the law. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, man, you boys are nullifying the word. That's even possible. Nullifying the word of God for the sake of your traditions. I mean, it's just, just crazy. The Sadducees, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. I, and they, they, were, they were compromisers. Herodians, for, for 130 years, they ruled and, and I mean, it was, it was not godly. It was not godly. So, so watch this. So when Jesus arrived on the scene, Jesus says this. Look what Jesus says. He was, look at the language. I don't even have time to get into the language of this. He gave them orders. Listen to the language. He gave them orders. Now watch. Watch out. Beware. 
<laughs> Such strong language. Anyway, he gave, their, you guys are getting this, how, how strong this is. He gave them orders. Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, leaven of Herod. And then Jesus said to them, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees. Leaven, the Greek word zume, it's just yeast. That's all it is. It means to boil within. It's, it's just, look, a small amount. <laughs> Jesus wasn't talking about baking bread. What was he talking about? You can't see the line down here. Jesus was talking about thoughts, embedded thoughts that get into your head. This is strongholds. Yes. It's exactly what she talked yes. about. They get into your mind. This is stronghold. Here was Jesus was saying, listen, you got to be careful of the teachings, the mindsets of Pharisees, Herod, and the Sadducees, because if their thoughts get into your head, they will create embedded mindsets that'll keep you from personifying a kingdom lifestyle. And every single place we go, we find exactly what our sister delivered so powerfully this morning, the fact that people are not free and the enemy has told a lie. And if you believe a lie, you empower the liar. And he has said this, and then he has said this, and then he has said this, and we believe it, and we believe it, and we believe it. And pretty soon, a stronghold used one time in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For, okay, Rama, literally means a prison. And there are men and women, just as he said, who have this, this, they're in a prison. They're in this, it's embedded lies. They sing their songs and lift their hands and say, my chains have set me free, but go home in bondage. I've prayed with people before. I've literally prayed with people. But listen, my prayer is not going to make you free. You have got to come into an alignment with the truth. You, she's right. You've got to repent. You've got to say, I'm coming out of an agreement with that. John 8, 32. It's not just the truth. I must, I must gnosk it. It must become intimate with me. I must embrace it. It must come part of me. I'm going to align with truth. And truth will make you free. Not my prayer. Pray for me, Rob. No, I can pray for you, but you can leave in bondage till you align to the truth. Where did this come from? It came right out of what Jesus warned his boys about. He said, guys, you've got to be careful about this leaven, this yeast, this zume. You've got to be careful about the, the, the contents of what they're teaching because it'll get into your head. One thought will become a mindset if you're not careful. Where did that come from? Came out of the three groups that emerged out of a Greek culture because there wasn't a reformer to bring correction. I pushed this a bit further. So I said, I was reading this book by um, William D. Ortega, a historian on, on why is the spirit being quenched? And, and he touched on it last night. And, and I'm going to steal everything he did and put it in my workbook and claim it's my revelation. But um, so, so the religious spirits, let's, let's go a bit further in this. Um, he talks about the fact that, that what we contend with goes back to these three groups. And, and it made such 
perfect sense and don't have time to get into all that. So this is the final couple of more slides and, and, and then I want us to pray. Ready? Check this out. Um, so what's the mindset of the Pharisees? Legalism, sectarianism, and secessionism. Real quick, let me, let me, let me okay, you know what legalism is. Do, does the church not battle with legalism? Came right out of a Pharisaical mindset. Sectarianism. This is my group. This is your group. We can't mix. We can't play. We're this. We're that. We're that. The formation of denominations. Now listen. There is heavy research on the fact that in the first 20 years, there were more denominations formed than any other era of time. Actually from 1880 to 1920. And the premise was they were built around what was called distinctives. Do you know what a distinctive is? This is what we're known for. But the caveat is that's what we're not. And one author that I've been communicating with, and I won't mention his name, did his whole research on this and went so far as to say that the premise for some was spirit-led, the premise for others was fear. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be associated with them. That's sectarianism. Where'd that come from? Secessionism comes from the word cease, to stop. Secessionism is the is the fundamental teaching that the revelatory gifts of the spirit ceased and ended when the apostles all died. So all of this stuff doesn't exist anymore. The prophetic and and flowing in the spirit being sourced. You guys know, listen, that stuff is done, man. We have the scriptures now. Well, where in the scriptures does it say that? Exactly. And honestly, people who write on secessionism, if they're honest, and I've read them, will actually say, well, to be real honest, it's not in the scriptures, but we just can't accept the idea that the revelatory gifts. Come on, man. It's like intelligent design. Yeah. We're going to throw out other theories because we just cannot accept the idea that God just spoke. How about the Sadducees? Intellectualism. Come on, you know as well as I do. Someone's being hired for a position. We look at degrees behind their name. I'm not against that. Oh my gosh, hear what I'm saying. How about the anointing? I would much rather have someone leading the charge over my city who was anointed rather than someone who had just intelligence alone. Now, if you can have both, I applaud that. That's fine. That's okay. I really mean that. I don't want to denigrate education. I prayed and and tested the spirit if I should ever go on to get further education. I really, my PhD who was spirit-led said, getting an education is like, it's like riding on the back of a lion. You have authority so long as you steward it, but that thing can turn around and eat you if you're not careful. Intellectualism, liberalism, secularism, all came out of the Sadducean minds. And, and I, I, can, I can show you, I can prove it. And then the last, but not least, what came out of Herodians, humanism, uh, individualism. Uh, look at this, atheism, 
And, and some would say, well, wait a minute, Herod did believe in God. Herod was a practical atheist. Meaning that you lived your life as if there was not God. I, I, now watch, all of this stuff we battle in the church. You pastors, you leaders, you lay people, listen, you battle all this stuff 2,000 years ago. Why? I believe because there wasn't someone who stepped to the forefront and put a stop to this in the name of Jesus. You're right. Through the power of the Holy Ghost who did not watch covenant with God. And because we acted foolishly, and we made alliances with our flesh. We made alliances with, it's just too hard. We made alliances with, my church is too small. We made alliances, we don't have enough finances. We made, see, we made alliances with, well, I'm the only one. We made alliances. And we have linked ourselves with things that are not him. And if you will covenant to bind yourself to him, he will prevail with you in your assignment. Yeah. Hear what I'm saying. You are the individual that needs to say, this will change. My very last verse, before we pray, last verse. Just here it is. In, in Acts 19, 1, when I begin my study on Acts 19, it, it begins with Genemai. It's like, now, be, like, like, behold, or coming into existence. It's like, it's like something new is happening, right? It's, it's, it's like this. Now, watch this. And it says, it says that the time came, Paul, and I'm going to shorten the sentence to you, came to Ephesus. You can say, what's so big about that? This is his third missionary journey. His second missionary journey, scholars believe he wanted to go into Ephesus and do what he did in the third missionary journey. But do you know what the Bible says in, oh, look at this. You, you just got to see it. You, 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 you got to see it. I know I'm short on time. We got to be out of here, don't we? I'm so sorry, buddy. So now check this out. This is, this is Acts 16, verse 6. It says that, he had, he had passed through the Phrygian city, the Galatian region, and watch, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Like, like do not open your mouth. Just a quick statement. Paul was spirit-led yes. and scripturally based. People ask me all the time, are you biblically centered? No, I'm not. I'm spirit-led, therefore I'm biblically centered. Right. To say I'm biblically centered would make me a nice Pharisee. Rest, right. But I'm sourced by the Spirit, therefore I'm grounded in the Word. Does that make sense? Yes. Come on, dude. You cannot put principle above presence. Yes. Listen to what I'm saying. The, the principle was we're going to evangelize the world. That was the principle. If Paul would have just gone headlong, church, we're evangelizing the world, and lost his connection with the presence, he would have missed this. He was not to go into Asia and speak a word, and the presence trumped the principle for the moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Then you come to the third missionary journey and now you come to Acts 19.1 and you understand the force behind the statement and Paul came to Ephesus. He didn't just stand up, stretch a little bit, scratch his head, say, I think I want to go to Ephesus. No, no, no. He was in Ephesus on divine assignment. The spirit had said now is the time. Go into Ephesus and establish a transformation in that city. And I say that because men and women, you are where you are now on divine assignment. The Holy Spirit has orchestrated everything he can to get you at this Kairos moment where you are in your city. You are at your church. You are at your community. You are in that assignment now by the commission of the Holy Ghost to bring transformation. You are there now. Now is your hour. Yes. Now is the time. You have to answer the call. You have to answer the call. Thank you for joining us for this special message from the Lebanon House of Prayer Behold Conference. If you want to get notified about next year's conference, go to thebeholdconference.com and click on the button, get notified. We can't wait to see you next year.